welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Hi everyone. Today we're looking at the subject of how to be more in love with God. You see, the heart of the Bible's message is that we don't follow him reluctantly, but wholeheartedly. It's not about rules, it's about a relationship with him. So if you're already a Christian, obviously you already have this relationship with God. And I'm very sure that you would want that relationship to grow and to deepen. If you're not yet a Christian, you could be tempted to think that loving God means you need to come up to a certain standard. But that's not how any healthy relationship works. And our relationship with God is no exception to that. So I want to say unashamedly that a true biblical relationship with God is about being in love with him as he has revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. When you're in love with him, you want to know him. You want to be with him and you want to follow him wherever he leads you. So how can we be more in love with God? It's more simple than you might think. So we're going to be looking at five keys today which will unlock this for us. Firstly, the first key is that we are to learn to be thankful and grateful. So we're going to read an incident from the Bible in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 47. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. That's something very expensive. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet her feet, his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind, who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. But Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. And then Jesus tells this little story. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of them both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, 
as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Well, what an incredible incident this is. Can, can you try and imagine this? Uh, there's this sinful woman who's most likely a prostitute or something like this, coming uninvited into the gathering of some very religious people who try to please God by keeping all the rules and by keeping away from anything and anyone they consider to be sinful. So this woman's presence, this woman, why does she have to come in here? How embarrassing. And look at what she's doing, her, her extravagance in loving Jesus would have been excruciatingly embarrassing for the Pharisees. Though Jesus was not embarrassed, notice. So this story is included in the Bible to teach us that being in love with God really is not about keeping to the rules. Rather, it is in, in an altogether other dimension. So this woman's love was a result, or a fruit, you might say, of knowing she had been forgiven. So firstly, she, she surely had an awareness of the seriousness of her sin. She really knew she needed to be forgiven. And, and so we must ask ourselves, do we truly understand what we have been forgiven from? Do we really appreciate the judgment that we've been delivered from? The Pharisees didn't. It's not that they were better people by, by God's standards, the way that he looked at things, but they thought they were. They thought they didn't really need forgiveness. They, they, they tried hard by self-effort. They thought they were okay. They were like the person in the story who, as they thought, didn't owe so much, whereas this woman knew she really needed forgiveness. And, and Jesus is saying, actually, really, you should be loving me like this because actually you also need forgiveness to the same degree. So she had this awareness of the seriousness of, of her sin, but actually it's not healthy for her, for us, for Pharisees, for anyone, if our focus remains on us and our sin. There's something greater than that in this story. We need an awareness not just of our sins, but we need an awareness of the grace and the compassion of the one who she knew had forgiven her. How, how did she know when she, when she came in here that Jesus would have this heart and this response towards her? Surely she must have previously heard him speak and, and seen the way that he loved people and seen that grace and compassion won her heart. So in just the same way, we need ourselves to dig into this person, into Jesus, who is so attractive and winsome that he forgives even you and me. So here's our first key. If we want to be more in love with God, we need to cultivate being thankful and grateful for all that he's done for us and for all that he is to us. Here's the second key. Know who you truly are. 
is a short verse from 1 Peter chapter 1. As obedient children, Peter exhorts the, the believers, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, quoting the Old Testament, be holy because I am holy. Now, most of us initially come to God because we realise that we need forgiveness. As the Bible explains, we are all sinners. But listen to this. The moment that we trust in Jesus to forgive us our sins, we cease being a forgiven sinner. Now, hold on. Is that right? Have I said that wrong? Should, should it mean I become a forgiven sinner? No, I deliberately said we cease to be a forgiven sinner. This is because there are so many places in the Bible where it teaches us that at that very moment of faith and repentance from, for, for, for our sins, our sins are, be, are forgiven because God no longer chooses to see us as sinners. We used to be sinners, but God does not regard us like that anymore. Jesus bore our sins in, in our place. And so in a single moment, our status completely changes from sinner to saint, from slave to freedman, and from outcast to precious son and daughter. Wow. So how should this work itself out in being more in love with God? Well, if I think I'm still on the outside and pretty worthless, then my thoughts and words and actions will reflect who I think I am. But Instead of this, as I increasingly know that I'm accepted, I'm beloved, I'm precious, I'm God's adopted child, then my new thinking will overflow into new behaviour. And just as God is holy, as this passage tells us, holy meaning separate from sin, so too we increasingly find that we desire in our lives to reflect his holiness. You know the phrase, like father, like son. So we find that we begin to want to be like the one who has redeemed us and adopted us. This is why Peter says to the believers that we no longer need to live in ignorance. There was a time when we didn't know who we were. But now we do. We are no longer sinners. We are precious sons and daughters. So do you know who you truly are? Is that really sunk into you? If we want to be more in love with God, we need to know all that he says about our true identity. So on to the third key for how to be more in love with God. Be inspired by what you are called to. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Things get even better, guys. <laughs> we are described as God's handiwork or masterpiece. 
And as such, we, we are like a story to be written or a symphony to be composed. God, your Father, has great and exciting things for you to do in your life. In my better moments, when I know I'm doing the stuff that God is leading me into, I feel this is what I'm born to do. This, this fits me. A sense of purpose and fulfilment. Because this is who I now am, this is what I'm created to do. At times like this, when I'm thinking clearly and I'm seeing things in focus, I, I, I could say to myself, why would I want to do anything else but love God and follow him? He's such an amazing God that he only wants the best for me. And he has plans for me far greater than I would have dreamt. So you too, every one of you, are God's masterpiece. You are unique in who you are. And as you get inspired by what he is calling you to, I guarantee that this will help you also to fall even more in love with God. What's our fourth key? The fourth key to loving God more is looking forward to being rewarded. Here's a verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 to 14. Paul says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, you came to God because of what Jesus had done. But what of, what of our lives now? So he goes on to say, If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. That's the day of judgment, the day when Jesus comes back. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built, built on the foundation, survives, the builder will receive a reward. So you, you well know that things like wood and hay, or when it comes to fire, they're burnt up and there's nothing left. Whereas things like gold and precious stones, they're refined by the fire. And so what he's saying here is our foundation is only Jesus. But what of the life that follows Jesus? And he says, the things that you do is like building something. And he says, make sure you're building out of the right materials. Make sure that you do things uh, that are out of the right motives. Not things selfishly, but things for other people. Things that's loving them, things that's loving God. And those things will not just survive, but here's an amazing thing. You will be rewarded for those things. Now, it's God who causes us and saves us. It's God who gives us a new status and identity. It's God who enables us to do good works, which give us satisfaction and fulfillment. But incredibly, this God then rewards us for the very things that he has enabled and called us to do. But actually, when you think about it, isn't that how things work in families? As, as children, we didn't choose to be born. We were the fruit of our parents' love. Then they teach us to eat our food and do up our buttons when we're little. And then as we get a little bit older, they teach us to ride a bike. And then later on, they help us to get through exams, etc., etc. 
But then any good parent delights in the child that they themselves have nurtured and are so pleased to reward them with some sort of treat when they do well. So think about it, if that is the case with our human parents, how much more is it the case with our Heavenly Father? We really were incapable of any lasting good before he got hold of us. But he is such a perfect dad that he cannot help but delight in our successes and our achievements, even though he fully realises that we did all of those things only by his abundant grace. Didn't you just love it when your parents treated you uh, with a reward for, for doing something well? Well, I believe that we need to be far more aware than we probably are of the rewards that our Heavenly Dad has waiting for us. And as we look forward to those rewards, and in particular to seeing the one who delights to reward us, surely that will cause us also to be even more in love with him. So we're on to the last of the five keys. How to be more in love with God. The last is this, be in awe of his beauty. You see, as we come to this final key, there is a danger that we can think from the first four that it's all about us. <laughs> we're very good at thinking it's all about us. My forgiveness, my status, my purpose in life and my reward. But I hope you can see that I've tried to point our attention away from ourselves and onto God and who he is. It really is all about him, not about us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, it's talking about the day when Jesus returns. And it says, on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people, here's the important phrase, and to be marveled at among all those who have believed, this includes you. To be marvelled at, get hold of that phrase, wow. To marvel at Jesus. Jesus, you're amazing. Jesus, your faithfulness is incredible. Your wisdom is unfathomable. Your beauty is unsurpassed. You see, the more that we see God as he truly is, the more surely we are in awe of him. And the more we are in awe of him, no one will need to encourage us to love him more, for he will increasingly be our heart's desire. So although our nature is that we usually start with ourselves and our needs, I need to be forgiven, I need a purpose in life, etc. Each of these keys are designed to lead us into the inner room of God's very presence. That place where we are content and fulfilled just to gaze on his beauty and to be captivated, captivated by his love. Let me read one final verse uh, to you, a couple of verses from Romans chapter 11. Paul has been uh, extolling how magnificent God is and he's, he, in his ways and his wisdom and he sums it up like this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. 
Now, when I first started working for the church, or oh, 30 odd years ago now, uh, I was sent on a Bible training course and it was a question time with the guy who was doing the teaching and uh, somebody said to him, what's the, the smallest passage or phrase that you've ever preached on? And he thought about it for a moment. He said, there was one time when I preached on just one word. He said, there was this church, uh, it was in India as it happened, and he said, I felt they were taking God for granted. I felt they, they'd settled. I felt they, they, they needed to marvel more at God. They needed to be more in awe of him. So I preached on the word, oh, <laughs> oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Surely every one of us need more oh in our relationship with God. Surely we need to marvel at him to be in awe and wonder of how magnificent he is. I need it more, you need it more, I'm quite sure. So let us be thankful and grateful. Let us know who we truly are. Let us be inspired by what God has called us to. Let us look forward to being rewarded. And most of all, let us be in awe of his beauty. That is how we increasingly become in love with God. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk.